Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD. Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Good afternoon to you, too, sir. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Us evening ish as it's, the evening is upon us. You know, it's kind of that afternoon. It's afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a little overcast outside, so it feels nighttime ish. I mean, we're cozying up with some tea, some good conversation. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. It's, it's that. It's a good feeling. It's that afternoon pipe. You know, you had the, the early morning pipe, you had the evening pipe. Did, right. The, the after, did anybody ever do a blend that was like an afternoon pipe? I'm sure they did at some point. Yeah. If not, maybe there might be something yeah, to it. Jeremy, Get on it, Quinn. If you're listening. Oh, yeah, Jeremy. Or yeah, Quay, yeah, yeah. Quinn or, you know, someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Man, <laughs> we are uh, here and bringing you these fine episodes because of the support of our amazing club members and patrons. Man, we got some folks to shout out. Joining at the Patreon level. And you know what? I got to say, before I even attempt this, oh my. we generally butcher the names of our club members. We try to like reserve that honor of having your name absolutely destroyed on this podcast for our club members. And for the patrons, we, of course, give them a shout out, give them a nod without yeah. butchering their name, because that is kind of, you know, it's it's an unwritten kind of benefit of being a club member. Right. That being said, I think patron DeGiorgi Ivanov may have just gotten the added benefit of me butchering their name yeah. without trying did, to. Did, yeah. No, I, I, I think his or her parents just kind of made that happen. Did when, Georgie, thank you so much when, for when he was born supporting and, you know, this we're thankful show. For, yes. for Georgie and I, Ivanov. I, I'm pretty confident in the last name, Ivanov. Uh, joining at the Squire level, though, we have Jason <laughs> Breeden. <laughs> right. Jason Breeden. Thank you so much Thank for your you support. Thank you so much, yes. And then finally, man, also at the Squire level, we've got... Zach Estes. Zach Estes. Zach Estes. Zach Estes. Oh, it's Zach, like Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, but he became <laughs> a squire of... The Country Squire International Pipe Club. Isn't that so, something? Zach Eastus, thank you for that. Oh, you are not a wee little man to us. I just want you to know that. No. Yeah. Not at all. Thank you we, so much we, for your support. Our, our house is built upon your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. We've got a uh you we've got so a kind. we've got a great episode. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, over me the last too, couple man. of weeks. Me too. Of, yeah, man. We over the last couple of weeks we've been um, really getting a little introspective a little bit, I think, about sure. yeah. kind of conversations of things like integrity, kind of community. We've been talking about pipe as artistry and kind of the responsibility that exists there. And I, I feel like an unintentional trilogy of episodes has occurred hmm. over the last two weeks as we've done kind of the integrity conversation, gone into kind of the, the pipe and modern artistry. And now as we find ourselves in this half bowl histories, we're going to be talking about a group of folks that really embody, I think... For many of the Country Squire Radio listeners, you know, maybe it, even if you don't necessarily see yourself in the imagery of these individuals, yeah. I think the spirit of what they represented is is something that all of us kind of long for. And so hmm. we're going to be doing a half bowl histories. Now, what is a half bowl history? This is where we talk about an individual, perhaps a place or something more of history of note. It doesn't necessarily mean a hero per se is something that we've kind of, you know, quantified that as a past. Yeah. It's not necessarily yeah. a pirate. We've done a lot of pirates and pipe tobaccos, <laughs> but this is just somebody or something of note in history that is especially potentially interesting to those of us in the pipe community, pipe smokers that sure. kind of a connection to. And suffice to say, I think we've got a group of individuals that pipe smokers will definitely want to uh, to learn a little bit more about and definitely can uh, share a kinship with. John David, let me cast your mind back, okay? The year is 1931. Okay. You are at Oxford University's University College. Mm. And your name 
is Tangy. Tangy? Well, maybe it's Tangy. Tangy? Tangy? Your name is Tangy. Tangy. Your name is Tangy. <laughs> Edward Tangy Lean, to be precise, but 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 you're at Oxford University. Okay, okay. 1931. You have these desires to be a writer, and your name is Tangy. And you have stacks, <laughs> John David Tangy. You've got stacks of all these unfinished works. You're trying to keep up. You're trying to do a good job. You need what all of us need in college. You need community, and you need some help. So you start reaching out to your buddies. You got this one buddy, Clive, and you got this other buddy, John, and you've got a couple of other buddies. And you say to Clive and John, hey, guys, I got these stacks of writings. They've been building up. I was wondering, can I read some of these to you? If you've got stacks of writings, maybe you can read yours. Yeah. We'll start reading each other's writings and we'll try to like- Let's, for, let's sharpen each other's stuff. And sharpen for, each stuff. Let's survive freaking college together. Together, right. Exactly. We're at freaking Oxford. Absolutely. And so, you know, John and Clive were like, hey, you know, that's cool. We'd, we'd, we'd love to do that. We like writing. We like reading stuff. And, you know, we all kind of like hanging out with each other. Why don't we do this? We'll all get together. We'll all work and kind of survive undergraduate college together. And uh, what are we going to call ourselves? Well, let's let's come up with a clever name. We're all trying to write all this stuff down. We're trying to ink in it together, and we have kind of an inkling of what we want to do with it. <laughs> let's call ourselves the Inklings. Now, as wow. you go through school and everything else, Tangy John David, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you survive, you make it out, and you go on, and and you're really excited about your career because you're going to be a writer. Not only that, you're going to be a writer of history, and you're going to be really excited to go out and write history. So you launch yourself out into the world and you get a phone call because I guess maybe that can happen in 1931. I don't know what the technology was back then. <laughs> right. You get, you get a, you get a, a message. a carrier pigeon. From uh, from your boys Clive and John, they're like, "Hey, Tangy, uh, Tangy, we really appreciate. You know, the college was fun. Thank you so much for that. We got this other group of guys that we're chilling out with. We're kind of doing the same type of thing. We're reading each other's stuff. We're having a good time, smoking pipes, drinking beers. We kind of want to like carry on the name of the Inklings, even though it's a kind of a different group. Are you cool with that? And man, Tangy, Tangy's like, you know what? Yeah, y'all take the name the Inklings." You know, I, people aren't even going to remember that name. You go, you go crazy. I've got big plans. I've got. I'm going to go write for a history magazine called ISIS. And trust me, I'd much rather be associated with ISIS than I would. You have got to be kidding. <laughs> than I would the Inklings. So old, so old Tangy, old Tangy was like, Nah, y'all take the Inklings name. I'm gonna go join ISIS. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Which was a which was a history magazine for Oxford University Whoa, in 1931. That is amazing. So so anyway, I just one of these situations where it's you're doing the research. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me earlier, like just bust out laughing, is when I realized that this was right? the case. I was like, ah, oh, this is. And that's know. what this that was that that's what this was about. That's okay. right. It's kind of like on oh, Downton Abbey when when they killed ISIS on Downton Abbey, but ISIS was the name of the dog. But ISIS was the the lab. Or was the, the, yeah, the, the golden, golden, golden retriever lab, or, doodle or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so now you've oh, got these so two. Funny. You've got these two dudes, uh, John and Clive. Uh, now you may know them a little bit better as J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, right? So Tangy's out of the picture. Tangy's out of the picture. He joined ISIS. He went to go join ISIS to write about history. <laughs> and you got John and Clive. They've they've met up with a bunch of other folks. And they have they've but they've carried on the name. Now it should be noted that Tolkien himself later said that although our habit was to read aloud compositions of various kinds and lengths. Yeah. The association and the habit, the practice itself, would in fact have come into being at that time, whether or not the original short-lived club had ever existed or not. So basically what he's saying is that, you know, while the, the, the original inklings that they were a part of in college, you know, yes, that inspired the name, and yes, it was a similar practice, this secondary group, the one that is actually more commonly known, right. would have probably come about, it might have had a different name, but it was going to happen organically one way or the other. Just because these are guys that, I guess... 
wanted to support each other, were familiar with each other, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and these were guys that were operating on the highest level of academia. You and I would not be welcome in this group. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like they were they were debating and could like tell jokes in alternate languages and that sort right, of thing. And I'm right. not talking Klingon. I'm talking like I'm talking like you know they were talking in uh, Latin and in French and like all of these yeah. different languages. But then also Klingon and Elvish and whatnot. Right. You know, the Klingon of its day, if you will. So you know these were like these hardcore nerds but not nerds in the sense but in like the extreme academic sense right and uh you know just to kind of read off brilliant minds absolutely to put it another way c.s lewis's brother once said that the inklings was neither a club nor a literary society though it partook of the nature of both there were no rules there were no offices there were no agendas there were no formal elections this was a group of individuals friends colleagues that came together and kind of organically did this practice without yeah. having any kind of formalized creation of a group. Just this, the planets aligned kind of thing. Absolutely. So who were the Inklings? Who were members of this organization? So I'm going to read off some of these names here. Some folks may be familiar to you, some not as much so. You had Owen Barfield. You had Jack A.W. Bennett. You had Lord David Cecil. You had Neville Conghill. You had Hugo Dyson, Adam Fox, Robert Harvard, C.S. Lewis, Warren Lewis, C.S. Lewis's brother, J.R.R. Tolkien, Christopher Tolkien, Tolkien's son, Charles Williams. You also had James Dunson Grant, Colin Hardy, Gervis Matthew, R.B. McCallum, Edward Stevens, John <laughs> Wayne, Charles Le- uh, Leslie Wren. You know, they had guests that would come in like Ray Campbell or E.R. Edison. So this was a group of rotating individuals over the course of essentially two decades, right, that have uh, kind of existed. I believe, and I could be wrong, the kind of the only member that was kind of pretty much throughout, although he may have stepped back from time to time, but if you look at from beginning to end, was C.S. Lewis. Okay. And so all okay. of these other individuals were kind of invited into the space and encouraged to be, to, to be there. And I love what these guys really represented to each other as they kind of challenged each other in their writings. For example, Henry Victor Dyson, HVD Dyson, for example, he was an English academic and uh, also one of, you know, notable because him along with Tolkien were responsible for, you know, converting Lewis to, to Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Dyson, <laughs> this is a great, great little anecdote. Dyson was more of a speaker lecturer than a writer. He was, he was much more preferred to talk at these inkling meetings as opposed to people writing different things and reading off their writings. And Christopher Tolkien once said that he remembered Dyson as lying on the couch, lolling and shouting and saying, oh God, not another elf during, <laughs> during the Lord of the Rings. Dyson was hardly alone in his distaste, by the way, of Tolkien's stories. And eventually Tolkien uh, quit reading them to the group, although... But also, it seemed like Dyson, according to uh, C.S. Lewis's letters, seemed to be the most fun-loving and a little bit more laid-back of the group from, yeah, from that standpoint. Yeah. But I just, I love the idea of J.R.R. Tolkien sitting oh. here reading. It's like, oh God, not another elf. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But they're crafting mythology. They're crafting narrative, and every single one of these guys, from the from the speakers to the theologians to the writers, all of these guys cared deeply about story. Yeah. They cared yeah. deeply about challenging and defining and creating narrative and myth. And like, you know, so it was not just about like the literary practice of getting things grammatically correct. It was about the world building and exploring stories and characters and having these deep conversations that took place in all different universes as they're sitting there enjoying pipes, enjoying good beer, enjoying good food and enjoying the fellowship of one another. Tolkien in particular spoke at some uh, about some of uh, his time in these meetings 
where he would share about trying to discover his own stories. Like when he found Aragorn in the pub in Bree, he was just as surprised as Frodo was to see him sitting in the corner. Yeah. Anyone that's ever been a storyteller knows this feeling. Interesting. You know, I, I referenced last week, you know, with kind of the pirate's daughter and the story that I've been kind of working on in that regard. I remember very specifically there's a scene and that kind of came to me as I was, I was, you know, I was actually running at the time where, you know, the main character, Stella, the, the pirate's daughter, there's a moment that takes place kind of in the second season volume of the story, whatever you want to call it, where she's standing there in a boat and she's trying to get away. She's just helped sack this town and she gives the opposition a moment to fire on her before she basically blows up the ship that they're in. And, I'm like, and it, I thought it was the most bizarre thing. Why would this woman give these people a chance to kill her? Yeah, do that. And right. I realized, I think she wants to die. I think there's a part of her who wants to die. You know, so my point is that this is a fictional character that I've created, but when you when you create a world so well and the characters they so well, still surprise they you. surprise you. And so Tolkien in this group with these guys is they're kind of like exploring different narrative facets and different writings and different poetry wow. and different theological concepts. They're doing so with this space, allowing each other their fantasies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody's calling that out as stupid. Right. They're, they're all being invited into the moment to embrace that. I think that's fantastic. And I think that is, that is a really like a beautiful thing that honestly I long for. I long for yeah. kind of a community. Like yeah. I think we all long for a community like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. These were these were Anglicans. These these were Catholics. They were agnostics. They would all get together and they would converse. You know, I mentioned specifically in uh, regards to uh, Dyson and Tolkien were responsible for converting Lewis to Christianity. Lewis, you know, he loved mythology, and what Tolkien and Dyson were able to do is kind of some of these discussion points were kind of point out to him. You know, you know, mythology is beautiful. It has all this truth, but the great thing about Christianity, about the story of Jesus, this is a true myth. Like this has all the tenets of mythology. This yeah. has all of the points. You have your hero. They're all pointing kind of in this monomyth to, you know, to Christ and Christ is the true myth. This yeah. is what they yeah. kind of challenged Lewis with. I think it was, it's, mm. it's, it spoke to who Lewis was and it invited him to explore the kind of the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus yeah. through this kind of context of, of a true mythology. Mm. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And you think about this too. At this time, the 30s, 1930s, all these guys coming together and they're all debating things furiously. Like these were people that were constantly challenging each other's beliefs, wrestling with them, being willing to trade blows and kind of give each other room to, you know, express without trying yeah. to shut them down or trying to like, you know, cancel them or something of that nature. You know what I mean? Like there was the space to do this. But at the same time, even amidst their disagreements, they all championed each other. They all hmm. wanted each one, want each one another to succeed despite their disagreements. Hmm. I wrote this down as I was kind of like thinking through like who these guys were and what kind of they represented, but it was respect in the face of disagreement. It was brotherhood in the face of challenges and ultimately a desire for each other to succeed. This is just something that we, we lose in the modern context because we've gone to digital spaces to find our community. We've gone to like Twitter and Facebook and all these like shouting matches where you just shut people down or you put yourselves yeah. in these bubbles where you're only surrounded with people that agree with you and yeah. you're not like going into people and you're not, even when you go into people that you disagree with, you're only going there to get mad at them or to make them get mad at you and then yeah. you write them off and then, you know, whatever. Everybody yeah. bubbles up in their own thing. It's silo. It's yeah. a problem globally in our society where we are constantly bubbling up like that. So does this kind of safe environment where people have the ability to push and pull and be heard without, you know, initial litmus tests or any kind of stuff like it, it, 
Where does this exist in our modern context? Is is there a place that this exists in the modern context, or is it is it just kind of a lost art? I, th- you know? I think it's a little bit a little bit both end, right? So I do think that it's a lost art, but I think it can exist. I think the country squire has been that at times, yeah. and I think that yeah. many folks with you know a really quality kind of pipe shop type experience have have been Can't able have to the enjoy chance that. to experience that. Yeah, yeah. put a pipe yeah. in your mouth, shut up for five seconds, and listen to somebody. I yeah. don't care if you disagree with them. I don't care if you think what they're saying is crazy. Listen to the truth, the heart of what they're trying to say, and respect that individual for right. being for being somebody worthy of hearing what they're saying. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And and you know, hopefully they will offer you the same regard, but you do the first step of giving them that space yeah and if they don't return the favorite that's okay but like it's a you gotta pay it you gotta invest in giving people that space yeah and also opening yourself up to not writing them off oh i disagree with what you said on this i'm gonna write you off on everything else no listen to what they're saying listen to the core of what they're trying to communicate because even if you disagree with the way they're saying it there's probably something some truth in there and something that you need to learn and at least honor the vulnerability of you know people people taking those steps to to be authentic. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. But let's talk about space, man, because the Inklings themselves, man, this is this is just freaking legendary. They would all get together at a location called the Eagle and Child Pub. Okay? This was a kind of Could you imagine naming a a bar nowadays the Eagle and Child? Let me ask you this. When do you think it got the name Eagle and Child? I Probably like the 1850s or something. Kick it on back, my brother. This is 1650s. Golly, that's amazing. It's a small, narrow building that was built in the 1650s. The first record of the pub's name is actually 1684. That's amazing. We're talking about an institution where, you know, the the origins of why this was called the Eagle and Child are commonly known as the Bird and Baby, but the Eagle and Child, like... People don't know why it was called that. There's a lot of theories. One of them yeah. is that it was derived from the story of uh, Ganymede and being abducted by Zeus, who had turned himself into an eagle. There's one that is from the crest of the Earl of Derby, that perhaps they kind of took some imagery there and named it after that. There's also a, a story, kind of a legendary story of a noble born baby that was found in an eagle's nest. Any one of these could be accurate in terms, or all of them wrong, in terms of why on earth they decided to name this pub the Eagle and Child. The Eagle and Child. But it was commonly referred to uh, from the folks that, that went there as the Burden Baby, as kind of like a, you know, got a, it. You know, kind got of a, a joke type name, if you will. The Eagle and Child was first modernized in 1962, and pub at that time, they were trying to extend it out. Now, this was a pretty challenging moment for the Inklings because they'd been going here and specifically in a little room called the Rabbit Room. They liked the Rabbit Room because it allowed for some privacy. It had, you know, it had kind of the tavern, the type pub type feel. There was this little room in the back, a really cool room. Have you been there? I've I've not been there, but I've seen images of it. Yeah. And it's it's I, I want to. It's definitely on my yeah, same. to go list. No kidding. But the rabbit room, you know, was a nice little room that was kind of off to the side. So you could have all these gentlemen going in there. Passersby would have thought all these people hated each other. They were, you know, debating and arguing. And stuff, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But they they had that privacy to do that. When they modernized, when the burden baby decided to modernize and expand, this caused a little bit of a problem because the rabbit room opened up. And so now it was part of the rest of the pub. And the Inklings had to make the very hard decision to actually find a new location so that they could maintain the privacy of their conversations. Right, right. Right. So they literally went to across the street to a pub called The Lamb and Flag. 
You the just, lamb and flag? You just pick two things. I know. <laughs> you know, that's what the Brits did. They just picked two things. These the days, chicken and rattlesnake. These days, the lamb and flag and the eagle and child, both still there, are owned, I think, by the same group. The lamp and gerbil. Right. The lamp. <laughs> However, despite its epic long run, the eagle and child did have to close down for some time in the year 2020. And yeah. since then, Pandemic. has remained closed because... They are turning it into a hotel. However, wow. they are maintaining the rabbit room in its original condition. So okay. the idea is that you might be able to stay at the hotel and everything else, but the, the, the rabbit room, this epic location where the Inklings met. Such a historic, monumental place. Yeah. Right. Will still be a part of the facility. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I need to make mention at of this. the old uh, turtle and broom. <laughs> Two objects. I think. I think it's. I. You know. It's honestly. It's kind of a cool name. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I, yeah. I tell you what, man. A, a good. A good. Uh, a Tolkien Lewis uh, inspired pipe tobacco called the Burden Baby wouldn't be too bad. The Burden Baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. But I got to make mention of one other thing. You know, because I'm. I'm thinking about these guys. They're all getting together. They're all having these conversations. And one of the things I really love is, like I said, they wanted each other to succeed despite their disagreements. You know what I mean? And they were also willing to be persuaded with people they disagreed. You know what I mean? Like, like you think yeah. about, like, again, I think Lewis's conversion is actually a really good, good example of this. It's that open mind. It's the open mind. Kind of thing. And being willing to listen to your heart. Right. And yeah. Lewis didn't convert to Catholicism. He became an Anglican. You know what I mean? It's not like he, like, went all the way over to... to what an t- idiot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it, it, it was, it's really interesting. There's a Lewis wrote in uh, Owen Barfield's book. Yeah. He wrote of him, he said, you know, to Owen Barfield, one of my, my best teachers, one of my greatest mm. teachers. Yeah. Barfield returned the favor by saying opposition is true friendship. Wow. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Because like it's it's the recognition. I, I remember, I'll never forget in a very different Oxford than the one that we've been referring to. I was uh, I spent a summer with uh, a friend of mine and I remember him once sharing with me, he said, you know, I don't think I could really ever be lifelong friends with somebody I've never had an argument with. And I remember, I thought that was so bizarre. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. And I, and I, but I, I've come to really appreciate that and understand that because arguments and disagreement are that moment where you decide if you're going to like cut somebody off and move on. Right. Or if you're going to love them and stick with them like, and, and like, like Through work, it. work on the friendship because right. relationships take work. These gentlemen all represent the work of relationship as they're also pushing themselves to achieve greater, like we're talking about some of the greatest literary minds of their time. That's wild. You know what I mean? I've it, never really thought about that is a profound concept. I mean, like, can, can you really be friends intimate for with someone yeah. if you, if there hasn't been some type of struggle, yeah. you know, that's a good, that's a good question. It's, I'm going to go here. It's one of the reasons why ours is one of the most defining friendships of my life. Yeah. Because because of this podcast and because of what it's represented to both of us, yeah. like at, at times a need, we, we've never shared this before. But I mean, like we've wrestled, like well, yeah. our friendship has been been tested and yeah, like struggled true. over the years in different facets. Yeah. But it's been refined because of Because that. of it. Right. And one of the great things, it's interesting because I was... I was thinking about it like, you know, that's so interesting. It's important that people know as we kind of look to the next few weeks here as we're closing down this podcast, we're not closing on bad terms. You know what I mean? Like, we, like this, the like, nice yeah. thing is we don't, we don't leave because like we're parting ways. We had opportunities for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. we, we had tense moments. That's so 2015. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
But the thing is, like, it's the relationships that you have where you work. And I want to say this because I really value our friendship and I want to challenge the listener to value the people you disagree with or that you may have to work through some stuff. Yeah. Because what you get from doing that is refined. Same thing with your marriage. Yeah. You don't just bail when things get tough. You work through it. Right. You know what I mean? What is family, if not relationships that require working through that stuff? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think what these gentlemen represented in the Inklings, like we could talk about all of their amazing literary works and all of their different theological hot takes and this, that, and the other, and the way they really got into like the the deepness of even just the the general concept of the, the, the abstract concept of love and what that represents. Like there's just all these different li- like angles that you can kind of like, like, like approach to these guys. I think as pipe smokers, I think as a country squire radio community, as we kind of enter into these last couple of weeks of this show yeah, Twilight. and what this community has been, mm. I want to challenge us. There has been their, their pockets in the pipe community that try to paint pipe them in one very specific mindset or yeah. like, this is what a pipe smoker today looks like, sounds like, believes, thinks. We yeah. all think this stuff. We all think this, that, or the other. Like, no. That's no fun. It's no fun. It's not accurate. The reality is pipe smokers, and we've seen this. We have seen this. Pipe smokers are diverse. They're diverse in their beliefs, in the way they look, where they come from, their yeah. socioeconomic status. They're yeah. diverse in what drives them. They could have very widely, and they do, they've got widely diverging political de- de- beliefs and everything mm-hmm. else. But here, can we not, our, what we have tried to do here at Country Squire Radio is hold a place where all of you have come. It's been challenging at times because yeah, the sure. world has been challenging over the last couple of years. But it's especially. worth it. It's worth it because we, ha- you, we have to have the burden baby. We have to have the eagle and child. We have to have the country squire. We have to have a place where we can all come and have pipe tobacco and listen for a minute yeah. and respect each other. Fight for the ability for your opponent to get their word in rather than for your own self to get yours in. Hmm. When you advocate for your brother, regardless of whether or not you believe in, like believe in what mm-hmm. he's saying, right. advocate for him to have a moment, have a stance, work through those things, think through those things, then you can wrestle with them together. Yeah. Don't be so focused on being proven right, changing their mind or otherwise. Like demonstrate what it means to love in that way. Yeah. To listen in that way. And when you find yourself wanting to just like shut somebody down because you don't like what they're saying or this, that, or the other, or you find yourself thinking about them in a kind of way because you think of like their beliefs and this, that, pack your pipe, take a puff, contemplate, rest, think. Some of the greatest literary minds and writers and thinkers of the day, this is what they did. They gave each other space. They challenged each other. I'm not saying don't challenge each other and don't work through things. You should. That's, That's important. But do so in respect and in brotherhood. And if... If we can do that, you know what I mean? I'm not saying we're going to save all Western civilization, but what I'm saying is if we can do that, then the spirit of the Inklings can live on in the modern day pipe smoker. Mm. And that's where I feel like this unintentional trilogy of these three episodes, these last past three weeks kind of of comes together. Mm. And um, anyway, that's that's the Inklings, man. That's the Inklings. And that's, I think there's a message that the Inklings have for us in the modern era. Man, pass the plate. (laughs) (laughs) It did get a little preachy there, didn't it? No, I mean, but it's, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And you know what else is good? Missouri Meerschaum. Missouri Meerschaum. <laughs> oh, man. Look, we love our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. You talk about some good quality. You know, this is why, by the way, I always keep a jar of Missouri Meerschaum pipes at my house. 
is because I like inviting different people over and I like being able to have conversations over pipes. And sometimes it's a way where people who either didn't bring their pipe or never smoked a pipe before, yeah. you got a big bushel of Missouri Meerschaum pipes. They're ready to go. It's it's not too expensive to have. And not only can you have some great you know corn cob pipes for yourself, but you also have them that you can share with others and kind of be able to enjoy that sense of uh, brotherhood uh, amongst each other. So yeah, in the spirit of the Inklings, I implore all of you, go out to get not one, not two, but a whole handful of good quality corn cob pipes from our friends at Missouri Meerschaum. So the next time you've got all of your buddies together and you're ready to enjoy some lively conversation, you'll be good to go. It's a great way to let the good folks at Missouri Mearsham know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question this week coming in from Gabriel Roper, who writes in saying, Good morning, gentlemen. I have a pipe question for you. How does, if it actually does, the chamber size and shape affect the the burn and smoking characteristics of the tobacco? Blessings, Gabriel Roper. So he's talking about the the bowl, right? Yeah, the the chamber of the bowl. So the the in, inside of the bowl. Like, ha- how does the size and shape of that affect how the tobacco smokes? Great question. And you know, absolutely. We, we talked about this in some of the earliest episodes of Country Squire Radio. It's been years ago, but you know, it, when you have a more open, wider chamber, you've got obviously there's more oxygen that's flowing into the bowl from outside as you're puffing your pipe, and so. A lot of folks, when they you know have bowls like that, they like to smoke English style blends, something with a chunkier cut, cube cut tobacco, or a kind of a chop, you know, squarish cut that's uh, bulkier. Uh, it's it's good for tobaccos like that because it's it, they need more surface area. They need a little more oxygen to kind of get them stoked up a little bit. A, a narrow, taller bowl we see a lot of times that you're letting in less oxygen into the into the bowl as you're puffing the pipe. A lot of times folks think these are good for Virginia blends. You know, they're going to let that bowl kind of cool down a little bit. You don't Mm. have to work as hard to keep it lit. You know, there's just a good interplay there with the volume of air that's coming in uh, related to the tobacco. And so it, it helps the the synergy of that tobacco, it doesn't burn as hot, all those kind of things. It helps the sugars kind of bake in there in a way that is different. And so that's kind of the idea. You know, some people will even, you know, will even narrow it down further and they'll say, well, I like a bowl that's drilled this way or drilled that way. As in, do you like a bowl that has kind of a conical shape or almost like a V shape inside the chamber? Or do you like something that's hollowed out real deep and broad, you know, like a big, deep bowl, you know, like a big, deep uh, saucepan or something that just is very wide and, and open like that? It just depends on, you know, how you how you smoke your pipe and the tobaccos you prefer, the type of cuts you like. I, I tend to smoke more 
uh, ribbon cut tobacco that you know is better for a more more of a narrow bowl. But I've gotten to where I enjoy larger bowl pipes, particularly for uh, you know those chunkier tobaccos that require hmm. a little more real estate. So yeah, it's a great question. That's a great question, Gabriel. Thank you so much for that. It's it's a classic question too. I feel like it has been been asked before. One of the things I think we've really enjoyed over the course of this series is being able like. The pipe question in general has been an opportunity to allow for us to like revisit some of these questions in the past because we yeah. always have new listeners that are coming in and it's always great to get those. So thank you so much for yeah. that, Gabriel. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, thoughts, your, your comments. comments, listener feedback. Listener feedback. This one's coming in from Antoine Butler. Hey guys, I'm a huge fan of Pirates and Tobacco series. November 3rd, I was on a cruise to Nassau, Bahama. Dude, seriously? Apparently. Yeah. He said where they, the pirate museum. Yeah. They, there's an amazing pirate museum. I've never been there. That's a, that's, that's awesome. That That's, that's, that's on my, my bucket list for sure. Uh, he said it was amazing as walked around the Island, got to learn a lot about pirate history while puffing on my cob with uh, captain black. I was amazing. It was amazing. I'm uh, downloading, listening to all the pirates and pipe tobacco episodes uh, on the plane ride. Good job, guys. Can't wait to hear more. I love this, man. Antoine, thank you so much for sending this. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. He's really connected with them. He also he also sent a picture. I'm remembering now the email. He sent a picture of himself, uh, I think, on the on the boat and everything. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty. I cool. didn't realize there was a pirate museum, but of course there's a pirate. Oh yeah, museum. of course. And NASA, of course uh, it's in the Bahamas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the, basically the pirate capital of the world right there in terms of the golden age. So yeah, that's that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, we got so many different folks who wrote in, kind of complimenting that series and who who just had a fun time with it. I got to tell y'all that meant a lot to me. I've enjoyed doing all of those different uh, characters and individuals. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because as we were recording our last recording retreat, when we were doing those, we knew we, we weren't ready to share it yet, but we knew that yeah. we, the show was coming to a close. So it very much was a bucket list item for me of like, I want to do you know, I want to make sure to do a Mary Reed. This I want to make one, sure right. to do Blackbeard. And I was like, Blackbeard, he was kind of my barbecue and pipe tobacco. It's like, like I'm saving him for when I know yeah. it's the last things one. Are, things are nigh. That was right. so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> that, thank you so much for that, uh, Antoine. Appreciate that. Uh, also, we got in, went in from uh, Dwayne Dunn. What did Dwayne have to say? Dwayne says, uh, with all the pirate-themed episodes you're doing, I thought you might like to listen to Ailstorm. They are a Scottish pirate metal band. I recommend Keelhauled and Hangover to start. Not pipe-related, but it is pipe-adjacent. Thanks for what you do. I love the podcast and really hope uh, to make a pilgrimage one day. A little planning coming from Ireland, but you never know. Cheers, and that's from <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne, thank you so much. Absolutely. I, You know, I have heard of these guys, and um, people have actually, whenever, you know, occasionally I'll jump on the YouTube channel and, yeah, and kind of do a yeah. little live hangout type deal. And folks have actually recommended it to me there as well. I'm familiar with them. I'm not big into the metal scene personally. There's no judgment. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that. It's just not my personal thing. I will say uh, Patty Gertie is somebody that I really enjoy in terms of like, you know, pirate era-esque kind of musical instruments and that sort of thing and doing yeah, kind of yeah. sea shanty inspired uh, music or at least from a Scottish Irish twist as opposed to like more of the kind of uh, classic Americana uh, roots of, of sea shanty so anyway you know I geek out about this stuff <laughs> John Davis got this look at me like yeah yeah okay Bo's, Bo's having a moment and I'm proud I'm, I'm proud for him yeah, I'm no, proud for him that's, that's great thank y'all so much for that we uh, we really appreciate you so man, we we we've got uh, one more episode next week before the the big part two finale in the following weeks. So we got a couple more weeks, you know. Yeah, like, it's so interesting because 
you know, as we kind of sit and we record all these, we're, we're kind of processing this together. And I really, I'm glad that we're getting a chance to do that because it's spread out over the last, you know, couple of months. And then like, even like right now, as we're kind of enjoying this, we, we got enough, almost another month worth of shows before it's all said and done. But man, we, we are right here. So it's, it's a celebration. It's a, it's a grieving. It's a, a looking forward to what's next. It's, um, it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, I don't know. I do wonder if like the listeners are kind of tired of us waxing poetic a little bit about it, and they're just like, guys, just 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 do the show, you know? Like just do the show. Well, they can deal with it because I got to deal with this. I know, right? <laughs> it's like you got you got to deal with the, us, uh, all all of our all the emotions. Oh, y'all are gracious to us. Y'all Absolutely. are gracious to us. Well, hey man, uh, yeah, the Inklings. I, it's it, I think it's the perfect half bowl histories to to kind of close out the series. Yeah, I think about. You know what the histories of the bowl, uh, heroes of the bowl, rather ha- have been as kind of the pre uh, precursor to what the series kind of evolved into. That's and right. All of it, you know, we've done C.S. Lewis, we've done Tolkien in there, and and but but to be able to kind of revisit those two individuals, but not just them, but the group that they were a part of, and really what the spirit of what we want Country Squire Radio to be, what what it was from day one, I think is embodied in the Inklings. And, you know, so I think it's just the perfect way to close out that series. Let's carry it forward, man. Yep. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's go have a day. See you, brother. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.